Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I am excited to share my passion and my love of story with uh, your audience. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewafo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. I am uh, a creative producer, um, a story development sort of um, nerd, <laughs> you could say, I guess that, that has been my obsession, that has been my passion for a long time. Um, I've spent years in, uh, in development and in, as a writer as well, as a screenwriter, um, and also 10 of those years, so the last 10 years, I've been teaching screenwriting and, and um, as a lecturer for doing workshops, seminars, um, and I've been fortunate to do it in many places. So I actually lived, I'm Canadian originally, uh, but I lived abroad for 21 years. So I have been living in Dubai, UAE for 21 years. And the last five years of that, I was sort of back and forth between Thailand and Dubai. Um, I would spend on average about six months a year in Thailand and then six months back in Dubai because my, my husband is was in Dubai and some back and forth, you know, family responsibilities. Um, uh, and while I was in Thailand, I was working. So I've been developing a, an independent project. Um, and something through these years, something was birthed in a sense out of my, my struggles personally. And my, um, I guess you could say, I'm going to, I'm not going to say failure. I'm going to say op learning opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Life is up and down, so we keep moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, you know, it's, I sort of stepped out to do this, this move, which was to go off and to write um, an animated script. So this was my dream was to, to this, and I had this project for several years and it was in development and it was the project that we had seen incredible um, response to and, and just like movement with, uh, and my husband and I sort of knew that we, okay, we have something here. We have something here that, that has great potential, um, not just as a story, but also as a, as a business in terms of, you know, um, it's marketing potential, it's merchandising, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I set off to go and write this and, you know, little did I know that it was going to be, even though I'd written plays before and I'd written uh, short scripts and I'd written stuff that, you know, I had also received a lot of feedback on my ability to write and, and that I, I, I was pretty good, you know, and, and I, I had my little sort of little bit of, uh, success in that area. Um, and so it had given me enough confidence to go off and to write on my own. And when I arrived in Thailand and I began, I, I, within a few months, I realized, okay, I need a writing team and I've got to put, put together a people and a, a group of people. There was about three of us, four in total, and we had a development. So we were doing story development and I was working with this team. And every time I would get together with the team, there would be so much energy and it was just so exciting. And I was at the top of my game. Like this was the ultimate, you know, sort of this is my happy place was, you know, working within a team environment. And then every time I sort of got into this area where I, I, I was like, okay, enough development now, time to sit down and write. 
I, it would just become this torturous process. And it was just, you know, it was like staring at that blank page, no ideas flowing. And I couldn't understand why it was so difficult in terms of, you know, like, I know what I have to do, we just need to sit down and do it, right? So why is there an obstacle in my path? And this kept happening over and over. And so again, after, you know, a year or two, I put together another team. And so over the course of, you know, these years, I actually had about three teams that I put together. Um, and my point is, out of all of this, what I realized was that the, that there is something that we are not taught as writers, or something that um, it's not, it's not even, uh, I don't believe that the awareness is there, that this is, that this is the nature of writers, but the, I, I then spent a lot of time researching this, trying to understand, like, is this only me, right? And speaking to a lot of other writers, trying to understand, um, if they are going through a similar thing. What I came to realize was that there are collaborative writers and there are solo writers, just like there are collaborative artists and there are collaborative or sorry solo artists right so in every discipline of art where you have uh you know in music if you look at music you have artists who are solo artists who prefer to, to sing alone and those who desire to form a band right and work together in a group um even in i mean not just in art artistic fields right you have like look at art in the world of athletics and sports so there are those athletes who prefer to be solo athletes like runners and uh um you know sort of like i mean like look at the olympics half of them are are you know skiers and and snowboarders and all these you know there's a lot of solo um athletic sports out there and then there are team sports right the ones who prefer to be part of a team so the nature of of human beings is is to be what you know we're kind of uh, solo or or collaborative, um, and when I realized that this was what the case was, I I was just like, you know, it was it was incredibly devastating on one hand because I feel like I you know we had stepped out in this great with this great hope um, to do this, and although I finished uh, with a lot of pain. <laughs> You know, but but you, you have the satisfaction as you as you're back on it, um, see all the different mm -hmm. face set of it actually, the different challenges uh, that are on the way. I mean, yeah. how do you feel about that? Now I think that I think that something valuable came out of that. You know, it took it took about a year because we moved to Vancouver recently, and um, uh, well, it's been about ten months or so. So we moved here and it has been a process of sort of sifting through uh, the experiences in Thailand and understanding and what came out of that was this writer's room experience so it's this it's basically what I was doing with my team day in and day out you know every time we met and and sort of it's put together as a as a four-hour workshop and the whole idea is that this is an opportunity for people to know themselves, for writers to know themselves. And um, it is, and the whole important, you know, the importance there is that you, it, you know, the, the, the objective or the aim is really just to hopefully save someone years of struggling, you know, um, 
trying to understand and trying to trying to figure out what why they can't do this right like the, the whole idea is nobody sets off to write something if they don't already know that they can write and they and if they haven't had feedback so most people most writers along the way they've had the feedback they know that they can write they know they have a talent there um, the problem is that when they set off to write alone it becomes such a painful process that many of them give up along the way and this is the problem that um you know so for and yet there are paths so so for those people like now i've had people come to you know attend these workshops and and they hate this process and they find that it is um slow and it is frustrating and they just don't like the idea of having to sit there and and wait for other people's and their ideas and you know and that's okay that just confirms that they are not um they're not cut out for that that they're they should be solo writers and you know and they they prefer to create on their own they prefer to do uh you know the creative process and and the writing itself on their own and that's fine that's that's the way it should be um then then they know that there are tracks for that so there are are avenues for uh, for example novelists you know uh, playwrights uh even screenwriters for film so so there's so many outlets and you know journalism is another one so if you're a solo writer then okay it's understanding that there are tracks that that are suitable for you but if you're a collaborative if you attend the workshop for example and you realize that that this is where you thrive and oh my gosh i've never worked with other writers before and this is such an incredible process then you end up realizing that there are specific tracks for that too so there are so television writing for example happens in team environments animation writing happens in team environments um you know and even if you just partner up with another person you can still but you're like for example if your passion is is film writing for for feature length films uh, you can partner with another person and have and that's a writing team you know and just one other person often for a collaborative person all you need is one other person um and your your ideas will start flowing and you know you'll come to life you will have uh all of the obstacles that you face in terms of facing that blank page and and uh you know that that difficulty in in sort of engaging your your creative capacities your and your faculties all of that will completely you know will be so easy when you have a, a writing partner but also people don't know and and you know i often tell people that the which is which is you know very much the truth that when you have uh for every one writer who reaches a writer's room in television for example right um or in animation for every writer that reaches a writer's room 10 have already given up along the way you know and that's the sad truth and so the um, the objective with this workshop is really just to be able to help writers at an early stage like i'm looking at you know this is something that i'm really passionate about doing in university environments so i right now most of the, the these workshops have been sort of open to to writers of all ages how do you see the people that are working with you what do they feel about this um um this process of writing because i look at it as um as a kind of a deep work because you are going to have to research you are going to write of course it depends on what you are writing whether you are writing a fictional writing or a research or 
paper. So, of course, in any case, there is a lot of work that goes into it. So, the people that, that you are working with, what do you see them say about their writing process? Well, most of the writers I work with are all in fiction, first of all, right? So, because um, nonfiction is a different uh, arena, a little bit. And um, it's still, even in fiction, there's a lot of research. So, the process is, is similar in that regard, uh, but the approach is different, right? And also the, um, I would say, your, the, well, the, the process is, is largely the same. I guess you're still writing for your audience. So you still have to know who, you, who it is you're writing for at the end, right? And um, the difference with, I would say with, um, with fiction uh, is that you you really want to be able, you know, genre is the most important thing in, in fiction and understanding that as a writer, you have an obligation really to meet those genre conventions and to write uh, to an expectation for your audience, you know, um, and writing can be can be great it can be therapeutic but it's not about writing for us right if you're if you're writing for an audience then you're really trying to write for for what they need um what they're expecting to see when they come for example most of my my area has been in screenwriting so it's you know about film and television series but um but again i've also worked with you know i've had people in my classes who are interested in novels or in playwriting um but again i would probably draw, draw the line and say say that there's different things that you're addressing in nonfiction than you are in, in fiction. Um, in fiction, the process is, it really starts with, I think, what do you want to say? Why do you want to tell this story? Why is it important to you to tell this story? And I think that when a person is um, not connected to their material on a, on a personal level, it's going to become incredibly difficult because it's a very long process. Um, and it would be very difficult to maintain the enthusiasm for it and maintain the um, the drive, really, to finish the project if you're not fully, uh, you know, if you're not really connected with that on, on some kind of a personal level, right, and, and passionate to tell that story. Um, the next step would be identifying the theme. It's really getting uh, a clear idea of, what is it that you want to say? What is the, the, the message in a sense right here? Um, and when you have a clear idea of what you want to say now, a lot of, there's different opinions on this. Some writers say, you know, just start writing and you'll, you'll be able to, to find your theme along yeah, the way. Yeah, but I did it later. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that's, that's, there's different ways. There's always different approaches, right? Everybody is different and how they approach writing is, is, is completely different. But there's certain... Myself, I, yeah, I, I definitely approach it with theme first. So, and, you know, what is this about, right? And of course, it, it, it will change a little bit as you're doing development and as you're um, exploring the world deeper and as you're building your characters, then you're, um, I think the whole, I don't think that it changes completely. I think that it deepens the, the, the message, right? And I, and that you end up becoming, you reach reach this point where you're able to infuse it with a lot more depth and meaning, right? But it has to start from someplace. It has to have 
uh, a starting point that is kind of which kind of gives you like boundaries which is really important. You need creative limitations, they're called, you know, because um, without that, we we would be lost. Like, it's just, it's just, uh, it's overwhelming. Too much choice or too much freedom sometimes ends up, you know, taking us and, and one, it can, it can end, you, end up taking you on so many little rabbit trails away from your story. So also, it can actually be uh, too stifling. So think about, for example, when you go into a restaurant, and you open a menu and there's, you know, a hundred different choices, right? A hundred different options. And you're just like, you're so overwhelmed by the choice. Like, what is this? Meanwhile, you go into a restaurant. Like, I don't know about you, but personally, I, you know, I, I prefer Absolutely. to go to a restaurant and have, you know, like, I, I, plus it also gives me that kind of, um, what do you call it? The, the, the reassurance or the confidence that, okay, if they make only 20 things in this restaurant, they must be good at these 20 things, right? Like not, not doing, you know, like a hundred different menu items and, and what's, you know, it's like a crapshoot. So, um, so in the same way, we need limitations as well. And so I would say, you know, the starting point is a theme. Second to that is, uh, is the philosophical conflict. In your story. So, you know, what is the sort of moral, ethical dilemma um, that you are building into your story? And that's really important, actually, because um, and I don't know if people really realize how how necessary that is. I think that there is, you know, and really what the defining factor is, the differentiating factor between a good film, for example, and a great film. Um, it doesn't matter how much you know, special effects you have and how much, uh, you know, you know, you could have the best cast and you all the bells and whistles, right, in a story and the biggest budget. But um, if it isn't meaningful for your audience and it doesn't it doesn't present them with hard choices, it doesn't present your characters with hard choices, then your audience is going to be I mean, they could be entertained on one level. But I don't think it'll never move them at an emotional level. And yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. So philosophical conflict is incredibly important. And I think um, you. So. So, yeah. So I would say theme, philosophical conflict. So get these these big sort of stones in place. Right. Get the big under uh, an understanding of what your story is. And then um, and then it's genre. So which genre best serves to deliver this message or to explore this topic? Um, and once you once you have these three major things in, in place, right, because uh, the genre is, is critical for the success of a film as well. Um, once you have these three things in place, then you then you begin research, you know, <laughs> and it takes a lot of research to be able to uh, to pull that together um, and and make that world rich. So, for example, if it's, you know. Not just fantasy. Uh, I have so much respect for for fantasy. You know, ironically, I was not a big fan of fantasy as a genre until I began working on this animated project, and I realized how much work goes into building a world. And so now I have a completely different perspective on <laughs> on fantasy, and and I have so much respect for it as as a genre. Um, but even apart from that, it doesn't have to be animation or or fantasy. Every genre and anything you write requires a certain level of research. 
Okay, um, just for the curiosity, do you also do some animation or something like that? Because the other day I interviewed um, a visual artist uh, in Canada. Of course, we, we did a lot about talking a lot about this. So just for the curiosity, do you also do animation? Me personally, no, I wish. I'm not talented in that area, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, okay. I am just, uh, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm on, the, on the writing side, so in the story development. So, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Now, tell me, how did you get started in writing? I'm interested in that story. Help me understand that. At yeah. what age did you start to write? Uh, this is going to sound strange, but it was quite late in, in my life where I kind of realized that I had this ability to write. Um, and it was really, it was about 35. It came um, it came in a roundabout way. So I, I... I actually, well, I studied originally, I studied film and television production when I was in university. This has always been my passion. Um, I believed I wanted to be a director. This was my, you know, a film director. This was my dream. Um, but I, I realized when I got into the real world that directing is a very technical field. You know, the understanding of lighting and cameras and, um, and all the technical aspects that, that really make a film. Um, and, and the thing is, it's continuously changing too right mm -hmm. so um and i'm technically challenged so that was you know very quickly it became a non-option for me but i but you know i understood over time that it was storytelling in general that is my passion that has always been my you know what's interested me and um but I had a little bit of a detour. So I, I worked for a year in a television, uh, sorry, in a film production company when I graduated from university in Toronto. Uh, and then I moved to Dubai. And a year, a year and a half later, roughly, and that was just supposed to be for a year, it was just supposed to be, uh, you know, a little adventure, get some work experience, you know, wanting to go abroad. But I met my husband um, the first oh, day I landed in Dubai. That's a good story. That's <laughs> yeah. a good story. <laughs> yeah, I met him the first day I landed in Dubai. And so it changed the trajectory of my, <laughs> my path significantly. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, you know, although I say, like, you know, personally, it was the best decision I made, but it was career suicide on the other side, unfortunately. So I ended up because it was there was no this is Dubai before Dubai we know today right like there were there was no there was no industry there was no media city I think that was the very beginning of, of when they had set up the media city there and um, and I sort of worked I had a job in a production company lined up so I went from the airport straight to the production company and I was working there but uh, oh, sorry that's how we met. In, in the in the company and but it was a lot of sort of it's a service industry right and they, and they were doing a lot of like tv commercials and this kind of stuff and I was in corporate videos and I was really you know like I wanted to be doing creative stuff you know and I wanted to be working in story and and this was just not an option I also don't speak read or write Arabic unfortunately so that was you know I was kind of locked out of the market in that sense anyway so it, it ended up causing a detour and I ended up in corporate marketing. Don't ask me how that happened. <laughs> but I found myself a couple of years you know, later in corporate marketing and I sort of worked my way up from the bottom. And uh, about seven years I spent doing that, um, which during the process was you know, quite torturous, but, and, and I really didn't enjoy 
the day to day. But looking back in hindsight, uh, I, I, I came to understand the value of it later, I guess is what I'm going to say. So I think I reached the point I was my last job in marketing was with a multinational. So I, you know, worked my way up. Like I said, it was with Visa International. And um, but again, financial services and, you know, uh, just the whole by the time I, I got here, I was probably two years away from management. And I was at that crossroads in my career where it was like to rise up into management, you really need an MBA. And it was a point where I was trying to make this decision about whether or not I do I do this? Do I stop? Do I do an MBA in order to to continue on and and, and grow in marketing? Uh, or do I leave now? Because, you know, once upon a time I had this dream, you know, and it was haunting me. And um, and I decided that, you know, OK, enough is enough. I'm not going to continue on because because the thing with the corporate world is is that it is you know, they call the trappings of the corporate world, which is very true in Dubai at that time. It was just the beginning of the boom, like 2004, 2005, 2006, right? And- um, But in terms of, of the working environment, in terms of the creative work that you were doing there, uh, how was it for you? Uh, okay, you were trying to climb the ladder, no? It's something that you have always dreamed of. But uh, looking at, at behind that, looking at the creative process itself, how was it for you uh, in Dubai? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, the well, okay. Once I left marketing, and I started my own independent projects. So I came, I came to back to film as a producer. Now this was my, uh, in terms of because I learned so much from from the from the corporate world about business, um, and I was able to come back to the film industry, but from a business point of view now, like now suddenly I had this perspective that I didn't have and I probably would not have had if I had stayed in Canada and worked, uh, you know, sort of through production, which most people end up doing, right? Um, in Dubai, the creative process, so marketing is, it is creative to some degree, but uh, again, it's so, you know, it's so much about driving profit and it's so much about, Especially at that time, I think that now the rhetoric has changed a lot, and the and the the conversation seems to be around adding value. Uh, it's changed significantly. In my day, this was this was all about you know profit. It was a profit mandate. That's all that that seemed to drive um, everything we did today. <laughs> What's that? No, I, I mean I believe uh, today the, the profit is still driving the the, the it's, industry. It's still driving it. It's still driving it. But it's it's it's. I just think that they're not so blatant about it. I think this whole idea they mask it with this whole concept of you know like uh, mm -hmm. you know we're adding value and we're helping people and solving problems and you know so at least it sounds a little bit you know <laughs> not as ruthless, right? <laughs> that is that is just a mask. Yeah, it's just a mask exactly. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so. And I actually, my very first project was a, was a like a humanitarian project. So I think it was just like a knee-jerk reaction from, mm -hmm. you know, from the corporate world. And um, and it was this campaign that we had built. So that was a really creative process, putting that together and working with the team. And again, I always loved collaborating, you know, pulling a team of people together. And uh, so working independently was very creative. I think where I struggled, so I, and I did a lot of freelance work over the years, here and there, but again, those were TV commercials, you know, uh, corporate videos, and uh, and I tried my best 
to shy away from it actually because I spent those years working marketing and I was like, I'm not doing that again, you know, but it was, um, so, so the creative pursuit, I really had to be independent, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If, I hope that's answering your question is that, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that because it's such a corporate city and everything was, was focused around business there, you know, to do anything truly creative, we had to do that independently. So if you were to say you take uh, something away from Dubai uh, then to Canada, I'm looking at it from the point of view of, of fanatics of a creator now, uh, because of course that is a huge part of what we are talking about here, storytelling and uh, looking at content creators and things like that. So I'm looking at uh, what would you say you take away there um, as a form of, um, uh, what would, we'll call it an experience, a working experience that you, you went away to Canada with uh, from Dubai? Mm, good question. Okay. Um, I would say, um, well, <laughs> how, do I, how do I say this diplomatically? Um, let's just say that working in Dubai really opened my eyes uh, to the way the world works. You know, um, coming coming to Dubai from Canada, I was only 23 at the time, and I was so naive, you know, and unfortunately, this is actually the case, I would say, with, you know, most Canadians were really sheltered here in terms of, and it really is, you know, coming back now after such a long time, and, you know, my husband and I, we've had conversations about this, and it's like, it's, it's a very... Uh, I'm not going to say 100% because there's no such thing as a, as 100%, but in large part, it is a, the, the, like, business ethics are very high in this country. And it is, there's so much transparency in business. There is, you know, the, the standards, the ethical standards are so high. And so, you know, corruption is very low and it's not tolerated in this environment. And I think that living and working in Dubai and not only Dubai, like in Thailand as well, you know, my exposure to the level of corruption that exists in business, um, you know, in most, most of the world, uh, you know, the Middle East in, in all of these places in Asia was such an eye opening experience to me. And it was, it was, you know, something that was not only, you know, a huge learning curve, um, on one hand, but it is also kind of made me a little paranoid, right? So I've come back to Canada into a very, you know, a very ethical sort of environment. And I'm kind of like, mm, you know, everything to me is like, mm, I don't know. You know and so I'm a lot more skeptical than I ever was, I think, of, you know, and how people are doing business. But I had to be reminded of the fact that, you know, okay. And I, and I you know, I've had, uh, I've actually done a little bit of research on this. And I think that statistically, we are in one of the, the top, I think, five countries in the world so the only other countries that are probably at the same level are the Scandinavian countries so Denmark Sweden Norway uh, and I think the Netherlands no the Netherlands is not on the list but it there was and then in Canada so we're, we're in we're just like a handful of countries the U.S. is definitely not on this list and <laughs> <But, laughs> <laughs> why yeah, so I think that, that 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 it's good in one way that you know we we still have these standards here, but it also puts Canadians in a kind of a vulnerable position, you know, because dealing with you know and doing business with other parts of the world, we're not aware here of the way uh, a lot of a lot of business is done in other parts of the world, and I think that more and more 
you know, the world is becoming connected a lot faster than we're, we're you know, uh, we're all kind of struggling to keep up with, with all of this. And, and, and it's just continuous learning, which is great. But I think that that's what I would say. Like, so when I meet people here and I've met friends here and, you know, we talked about that, it's like, there's, you know, just, just be, be ultra vigilant and aware of the fact that, that there, that the rest of the world is, and not to, not to, sorry, you know, not to sound like an us and them kind of situation, right? I'm not trying to say Canadians are better. This is, this is not my point. If anything, I'm saying we're very naive, you know, um, in person, in comparison, because, uh, because for so long, we've just been kind of in this closed off shell and only really interacting with America. That was the, you know, for the longest time. All right. Because you did make mention of storytelling a lot. Yeah. I wanted to give me a description. How do you define, because this also that is part of what you do, what you do uh, most of the time. How do you describe storytelling for somebody who do not know? Okay. Um, well, storytelling is story in and of itself is really, it's an emotional journey. This is what you're taking your, your audience on. Um, and a good story delivers on that promise. And so it is really about putting your, allowing your audience, let me, let me put it this way, allowing your audience to experience emotions that they want to experience in the safest possible environment. So think about, for example, people who, you know, uh, go in to a theater to watch a horror film, right? Or or at home. And I mean, personally, I'm not a huge fan of horror. I, w I was when I was a kid, but you know, now I just think, oh gosh, I could, you know, I wouldn't want to put myself through that. But but what they're really wanting is they want that adrenaline rush. They want that that tension and that you know that fear to be evoked. But knowing that they're Ultimately, they're going to walk out of this after an hour and a half, two hours, and they're safe. You know what I mean? Because to be alive as a human being, it is to experience the full range of emotions, right? And and even fear, to be able to dip into our, our deepest, darkest fears and come out of it safely. Um, it's, you know, these are the things that, that, that keep us alive. I mean, why do people do extreme sports, for example, right? Why do they put themselves in these positions where they are cliff diving or scuba diving or skydiving and they put themselves in these dangerous, uh, you know, situations um, just to experience this thrill and this adrenaline rush that they couldn't get any other way. Right. And, and it, they walk out of that feeling even more alive um, often. And so in the same way, on a smaller scale, story allows us to be, to feel alive, you know, which is, which is amazing. And um, so whether that's, fear from a horror film whether that's deep emotional you know like a drama for example that stirs you up emotionally and brings you to tears or whether it's you know comedy lighthearted that that makes you laugh from your you know like you know deeply from from your heart so whatever it is that you are in the mood for and and the way that we select genres right is re really mood based so you know, it's very similar to how we select genres of music, right? If you ask any average person, uh, they don't have just one favorite genre. Most people have, you know, they like sort of a, maybe four or five genres of music and they'll alternate between them depending on how they feel and what they want to feel actually, right? So if you're feeling down, 
you may want to listen to a few sad songs, ballads, love songs, whatever, right? And then eventually when you kind of cry it out, get it out of your system, you know, whatever it is that you is upsetting you, you'll then you'll find yourself switching to upbeat music, right? Because now you're okay, you, you, you've gone through that process, that emotional process, that cleansing, if you will. And then you, you sort of come out of it like, okay, I just want to be, be uplifted, right? And, um, and so, you know, or, or you'll seek out music that will, will uplift you when you're down, like I, whatever the case is, you know, or classical music, if you, if you want to be in a certain mood, um, uh, in the same way, we search out films and stories that satisfy that certain emotional need that we have, and that can deliver on that promise. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Now, this um, this up and down that we are in, uh, sometimes, of course, I think the human being, I don't know whether sometimes we are just funny or we are strange, if we want to put it like that, in that, uh, for example, when we go to the movie, you want to watch, I don't know, maybe Transformer or any other uh, big film or even smaller film or narration, we, we go there knowing that these things are not real, but we still go there to just, like you said, don't just feed the emotion. And yeah. we go there happy, not that we are stupid, not that we don't know that it is not real, but we still go there anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something that is going back into several millennia, uh, because this is what we have always done. The yes. other day, I was talking with a storyteller. I was saying, uh, a lot of things have changed in human history, in human evolution, if you want to put it like that. But something that have, that have really changed is our storytelling. Mm -hmm. Right from the time that uh, people could, our ancestors could sit around the fire in the fire camp and listen to story till now, there is a huge impact story is making in us. Yes. So that psychologists and people who studied the human behavior, they do a lot with this storytelling. Because what do psychologists do? Maybe, for example, in African psychology, you had a dream and you don't know what is the meaning of this dream. So you went to uh, a soothsayer or somebody who is a diviner. This is the work, of course, the Western psychology we do anyway, and that you're having a feeling, you don't know what this means. Mm -hmm. You are going to engage in story. Like, tell me what happened. When you were feeling this, what did you do? This and At the end of this narration, there's going to be a, a front and back iteration with you just telling story. I don't know if Anima do that. Maybe this is what is actually helping us to build this mega city that we have because we are able to tell story, sort of lie to ourselves, frame and reframe things in a way that other Anima don't do this. I don't think other Anima do this. <laughs> what is your take on that? This power yeah. is storytelling. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's a very good question. I think that I think that story speaks to us as human beings like nothing else. So I think that, you know, um, it's always been the way to, well, think about this. I mean, I mean, like you said, it's been going back millennia, right? So it's been, it's the earliest form of education, if you look at it that way, right? Um, so before there was, you know, books were even, you know, before any of the stories were ever, ever actually recorded, right? Before the, the Epic of Gilgamesh and the, you know, stone tablets and all of that. Before, um, you know, certainly before schools and curriculums and classrooms and all of that was ever established, the way that information, the way that knowledge, the way that uh, history, 
and and you know the the accomplishments in civilization you know the the heroes of war and all these stories all these these were all recorded in stories and they were told generation after generation and this is how human history was was communicated passed on generation and generation down so and all of the information that was was being gathered right uh, about society at the time and i mean even down to the use of tools and you know different forms of of knowledge were were weaved into story because that was the easiest way for for us to remember right and and for this information to be passed on and into little fables little you know uh what do you call these like you know what today would be considered you know fairy tales or or fables or these kind of um like short stories that carry a moral carry a message right um and especially for children you know this whole idea is, is that you will find these little lessons learned you know um or action and consequence you know understanding the relationship between action and consequence cause and effect um so all of these important principles in life were were codified in a sense in story um and so this is why it speaks to us. It speaks to us almost on a genetic level, like in our DNA, if you will, right? Absolutely. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's and and that's why it's like we were able to comprehend things. You know, the human mind is so intuitive and so able to to uh, get beyond the surface. And that's that's another thing in storytelling is really appreciating the the intelligence of your audience i think that that is um that is that is a key word the the audience and that actually leads me to where i'm trying to go with, with that you no know, the analogy don't you know, okay. that you have done work in marketing creative marketing content you no know, uh promotional content and in my understanding there is a lot of psychology a lot of storytelling that is going on there mm -hmm. and because these stories are very powerful because now you are going to tell somebody bye Maybe somebody, the, the person might not necessarily really be interested in it, might not even know that what you are offering is available. But you are going to take the person on a journey. At the end of the day, say, ah, yes, I need it. It's just like the, the basic concept of look at the yellow. Up until that point, the person didn't realize there was a yellow in the multitude of color that are around. Mm -hmm. They was see red and see blue. But now you tell the person, look at the yellow. Now the person just suddenly realized that it's yellow. But mm. you didn't bring the yellow. The yellow have been there all along. Mm. So I try to understand what is the role of storytelling in marketing? That is simply what I'm just going to ask you. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I should not have mentioned my background in marketing. <laughs> Everyone wants to know, right? The, the business applications of storytelling. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay. Well, the main... Yeah, I mean, and, and even this idea of story in, in marketing is also a, quite a new phenomenon. This is really about, I would say, in the last maybe 15 years or so that, you know, 10 or 15 years that this has really been uh, sort of really emphasized or is really pushed in terms of, you know, the ability, the way to connect with your audience, right? The way to connect with your market, actually. And... Um, and so, but the, the, the approach is different in terms of, it's really <laughs> educating your, your audience, your market, right? Your target customer. Um, it's sort of like provoking 
their pain point. This is how how you could look at that. So trying to identify what their pain point is, um, where is their need, and then showing how your product or your service will address that need, will will solve that problem for them, and then you know, showing them the, the outcome of that, right? Which is, you know, like, look at life now after you used our product or our service. And um, those are probably the three kind of key, I guess, steps in the process of, of how you would use story. So it's, it isn't just raising awareness, I think, in the past. And, but it also depends on where you are in the life cycle of your, of your brand or of your your product, right? If you're in the early stages where you're building awareness, uh, it's really about educating your customer about the need of your product or service. If you are, if you've already sort of reached market leader, you know, status, then there's, you know, brand maintenance or, or sort of maintaining that position that has a different set of, of, of goals or, or different tactics that you would use. Um, and you employ story kind of differently in each one of these areas. So, again, it, it's looking at, at where you are in that life cycle and what your objectives are, where you how do you need to move your customer from um, kind of from the point of re- realizing that they have a need for your project. Because that's that's what really what storytelling is in business. It's, it's actually showing them that they and in many cases, it's it's almost making them realize it's that whole thing, like you said, the tie in with psychology is that it's not just, oh, look, you know, and not making them aware of your product. It's really making them aware of their need for your product or service. Right. And how how much they are in without it, how much difficulty they're in. You know what, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? And so like they could be fine, but it's it's your job to go in there and provoke them and show them like, well, actually, you know, you think you're fine, but you're not. <laughs> and you'd be a lot better if you had you had this uh, whatever. Yeah, you have this you have this product. Yeah. All right, now Sheena, say maybe for example, you are going to train a team of um of Sorry. marketer or people, of course, maybe businesses or who are going to use storytelling. Yeah. Uh, what would you tell them to lay emphasis on in terms of communicating their message to the audience who by extension are going to be maybe the customers that they can buy? Because now we understand that this storytelling we are talking about is actually laced into our DNA because this is where we are coming from. Mm-hmm. It tells us it go far, far, farther than the, the 10,000 years ago. It, it go back to, I look at the human being as having a record of a hard disk, a hard disk of our entire existence. In that whatever happened, you are able to think back, you are able to connect, you are able to, all this collective consciousness, we are able to tap into it through story because we have lived, of course, not us, I'm only be existing for the next, for the last uh, 43 years, but I have a generation, I have a father, uh, father's father, all these people have a story, and that story happened to be part of me. I am part of it, so I can yeah. tap into it. And because this is the way it is, at the the psychology or at the psychological level, we're able to tap into that. What would you say is the most important thing to lay emphasis on or to concentrate on, so that they will be able to sell their product? Okay, 
I have to be uh, honest in saying that I, I, it's been a lot of years since I've, I left marketing, right? It's been like 15 years that I have, <laughs> I, I have not, that has not been my area of, of sort of expertise over the last 15 years. I've really been focusing on kind of these internal principles of story that you're talking about, right? And, and really um, mastering that craft. And uh, so the connections with, with business, I'm actually in the process of, of re, sort of re, or connecting those dots now, to be honest. I've been doing, I'm kind of moving back to Canada. I've had to sort of buckle down and get my head back into, into business. Oh, although it was not, a, <laughs> it was not a, a choice, it was more of a necessity. <laughs> so okay. to, to be honest, I'm making those connections now. And I, I, I will hopefully have an answer for you in that, in that area um, soon. But what I can say in regard to what you were saying about this collective consciousness and, you know, which is beautiful, which is, which is so true. Um, and one of the things that I think uh, has always been my my reason for why I love stories so much and, and sort of this motivating factor for me to keep learning and, and keep digging deeper and understanding is because uh, it is such a reflection of of life, even in the present moment. So you were talking about the fact that it is uh, a collection of kind of like all the wisdom of humanity in a sense right and it is and it is this this uh, collective consciousness that we can tap into um which is absolutely true but one of the, the things that always amazed me about story is that it is also a direct reflection of 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 life you know day to day like like our world around us right now in the here and now and understanding and i know that one of the greatest books I ever read that helped me understand and I'd read you know I'd read at this point I'd read a lot of books on psychology and sociology and, and philosophy um that was a big you know interest of mine for a long time uh and yet it was a book on story this book called uh called story by Robert McKee that was one of the most eye-opening kind of you know explain it was almost like a manual of of how life works you know, and I and I remember reading that book, and it's a very deep, you know, sort of academic uh, analysis of story, um, a very big, epic, you know, sort of um, what do you call it, like a uh, like a tome. But it is it is something that I will, you know, and he and Robert McKee's work is probably the foundation of upon which I pull my my knowledge and and teach from that saying that the story that he so there for example there's things in there that he talks about and these connections between you know um so so when you you think that you're for example taking a character on a journey through a story and you know all these obstacles are happening to your character and it's just a tactic that we use as storytellers to make the story interesting you know whereas he draws these parallels between life and says that that's not coincidental that's not just you know, it's not just a plot device or, or a narrative, you know, uh, technique that's going to help your keep your audience engaged. It's like, you know, broaden your scope and understand that story is a reflection of life. And so, so for example, uh, one of the great things that, you know, he talks about is this gap that opens up between expectation and result often, right? And so when we set out to do something, right, we put a plan in our mind 
and we think we're going to we're going to take this course of action because we're going to end up with this result. Right. And and this happens to everyone all the time. Right. You you set out to do what you say you're going to do with this expectation. You're going to have this particular result. And suddenly it goes sideways. Right. <laughs> and you're just and you're like, you know, what just happened? And you're and you're you know, now dealing with this with this huge, it's like the, the ground just opened up and there's, there's a huge chasm between you and your expected result, what you thought was going to be, you know, what was going to happen. And, and it's this constant, you know, having to recalibrate in life and having to rethink and, and, you know, it's like Google Maps, having to constantly reroute, right? If you take a wrong turn <laughs> and, and recalibrate direction because, and that's life. You know, that is, is the, so it's this mirroring. Um, and this is why we connect the story so well, is because when we see these characters experience this on the screen, you know, we identify with that because this happens to us all the time, right? And yeah, even with best intentions, we end up often, you know, um, in this, in this space between, you know, it's like, what happened? And this is not what I thought was going to happen, right? But out of that, oftentimes, so it causes us to recalibrate, it causes us to rethink, replan, come up with a new course of action, change direction, right? And we set out again. And because that's one of the, the beautiful things about human beings is that we don't, we don't stop, right? And we, we, at least an active protagonist in your life, right? In your own life story, as an active protagonist, you know, you, you hopefully keep going and you don't let these, these uh, unexpected interruptions hold you back and keep you from your destiny, really, right? Uh, so you you recalibrate, you take another step, and uh, and so in that process, you've learned something now, and you've gained something now, and you are uh, and you're wiser, and you're better for it, and you're stronger for it, right? And so the next course of action will you'll see a certain amount of of success, a certain amount of, lead, but you're again going to hit a wall somewhere, right? And you're again going to end up in that same situation. And that's just life. And that's okay. You know, and that's the way, this is how we grow. This is how we, you know, um, so by the time we get to the end of this race, hopefully we will have, and we will have impacted people along the way in, in a positive way, right? Like if I look at what you're doing, Obahi, right? You're, you're surely this couldn't, you know, just arranging this, time with me today was a challenge for you. <laughs> so, so sure, surely this is, you know, this is, there are always hiccups along, along the way. And, um, which I do apologize for, by the way, <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, so, but the fact that you, you keep persevering and, and in the end you're creating content that is, that is impacting people that is creating a ripple effect in this world, right? And so even with the challenges, you're still able to do great things, right? All of us are. And I think that that's, that's the whole journey. And, and so story for me is just a reflection of or a mirroring of, of you know, this, this crazy journey that we're all on called life, right? I think uh, there is a lot we can actually do about yeah. story because it is really powerful. I think yeah. one... Um, Israeli writer, I think it's uh, Harari, who wrote the 21 lesson of the century, it did say that uh, what did actually separate human being from other animals is a story that we tell ourselves. 
Because these oh. stories are very powerful. Oh. And if you read the book um, of uh, James Allen too, I think, well, what is the name of this book? Um, As a Man Thinker, that is the title of the book. James Allen also said that artists are the maker of the other world. Of course, by the other world, is referring to heaven, for example. Because oh. heaven, hey, these are things that we create. We create them out of our imagination, out of oh. our experiences, things that we think are there or things that should be there or things that shouldn't be there. But we imagine it. Because we imagine it, we put it there. It is real for us. This is a, an extraordinary capacity that we have as mm -hmm. human beings mm -hmm. to tell story, whether it is real or imagined. Mm -hmm. And we listen it an emotion that just by listening, you can start crying. Mm -hmm. You just by listening to another one, you start laughing. How do we do this? So there is really a huge power in story. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah. But how does someone really master this art now? Because it's not everybody that knows how to do it the right way. That is why not everybody will be able to sell. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know how to touch the point in the human consciousness to make them respond to you. Because communication, they say, is in the response. Because mm -hmm. if you just keep talking, 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 at the end of the day, the person didn't understand what you said, you haven't communicated. True. So yeah. how do you master the art of storytelling? That is where I'm asking your help. Mastering story is like mastering any other um, artistic discipline or, or any discipline in life, actually, right? It just takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of actual writing. Uh, you get better and better as you do. And, um, and as I was saying, yeah, before the, the system crashed, that the, every single artistic field, uh, every artistic form is built on a science. So you... You know, and, and if you want to really excel in any of in any art form or any um, any scientific field, right? It really takes the the knowledge. So so learning the technicalities of writing is really important. There's no other way to master the craft. I've worked with writers who are, you know, the ones who just write instinctively. And like I came to writing, like I was saying, very late in life. I was 35, and I and I kind of feel like I taught myself how to write in a sense because I came I came to it through, through producing and while producing I was creative producing I was working with writers and and I was always fascinated by their ability to just you know how do they do this how do they just create like this now oh god I wish I knew and I started reading and plus I, I had been reading a lot about story sorry to uh in order to work, you know, to be able to work with these writers and to be able to to craft these stories, uh, and so I I was I learned all the technical aspects, right? And then it became an obsession of mine to learn how to apply it, and that's where the writing aspect then developed, right? But there are people who are naturally gifted, and they're writing since they're young, since they're in school. Um, and they do it almost instinctively. Like you said, it's that in our DNA kind of, you know, uh, you know, talent or natural ability for them. It's, it's like the last thing they want to hear is that I have to learn the rules of writing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not something that they, they enjoy often. Um, and they, they'll come to it kind of grudgingly. Right. And, uh, but they, they'll come to it at some point or another. They have to, because, 
um, there's no, there's no other option. I mean, there's the, when it comes to, because you need to know that stuff for rewriting and real writing happens in the rewriting, you know, and in the, in the process of sort of almost tearing down your first draft <laughs> and reconstructing it. Right. And it's that process of constantly those iterations, um, which make story better. So understanding where those problems are in your story and how to fix them, right? That takes technical knowledge. And yeah, so that's where you can't avoid that. That's unavoidable. Now there's another thing that I see that work always, always work is the emotion in story. What do you want to say about the role of emotion in the story that we tell? Emotion can be elicited in different ways and it depends on the emotion that you're trying to elicit first of all, right? And how you go about doing that. But the, okay, so let's break this down into a couple parts here. First of all, I think the strongest emotion comes out of choice, right? So when you put in your character, even, even in a, a TV commercial, for example, right? Or, you know, I'm not just talking about a, a feature film here, but if you're, so whatever, you know, this, this person, um, but for, for the sake of this, let's talk about, uh, uh, like a feature film or um, a television series, right? So you have a character who is presented with a complex choice. And so remember when I, I mentioned before about philosophical conflict? So you have your, when you're starting to build your, your idea, right, your concept, you start with the theme, and then you've got to have your philosophical conflict come in at a very early stage. This is the this is sort of like the, the what is this, what is the dilemma in the world and this character, right, that they're going to be faced with. And uh, so when you, so meaning or, or sorry, emotion comes from meaning and meaning comes from putting your character into these difficult choices and having them. And as a character chooses, this is another thing, this is a character development thing, by the way, is that as our characters choose, we as an audience understand who they are uh, at a deeper and deeper level as the story progresses with every single choice they make, right? So it's a lot more because, again, that's a reflection of life, right? We only, yeah, we only come to know one another, really, and uh, if you think about it, like, for example, you know, um, whether it's family members, whether it's, you know, friends that you've grown up with, over time, you've come to understand the character of a person based on the choices that they make, right? And that as, as a person makes, uh, you know, makes certain, for example, you know, the choice of whether to be uh, stingy or generous with their money, the choice of whether to be um, ethical in a business transaction or to take shortcuts, right? Um, the choice of being, um, you know, if they, if they have a, a bit of information that could benefit someone, would would they keep that information to themselves because it could benefit them themselves and not share that with other people? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's so many choices that we're and we're presented with choices every day. If you think about it, like we're, you know, moral and ethical, you know, choices are, are something that that face us every day. And 
And as we make these choices, you know, we, we then it opens up to different consequences in our lives. And um, and this is why this is why it hits home and, and it really evokes emotion very, very uh, easily, I would say, and, and quickly, because when you have you put your character in this situation and they have to make a, a choice. Now, let's back up a little bit and explain that it's important, first of all, to create a connection between your audience and that character, right? Before you thrust them into these choices, right? Your your audience has to first connect with that character, identify with that character, and empathize with that character, right? And to be able to see themselves to some degree in that character. And um, that always takes place in usually some kind of a setup, right? Where you are, uh, you establish that in the beginning, when you're revealing your character and you're you're building up the world around them and you're you're you know sort of presenting your character to to your audience for the first time, um, and then you start to get into step by step putting them into situations where they have to make these choices. And this is where now once your once your audience is connected to your character and there's and this connection has been established, whatever your your character is is doing in terms of whatever choice they have to make, right? Your audience is going to feel that along with them. And uh, and as they go step by step through these processes, and again, going back to also what I said about the, the gap that opens up between expectation and result, right? So, so now when your audience is connected with that character and they're identified with them and they make that choice that the audience, you know, most cases will support because they understand the motivation behind it. Right. And why they had had to make this choice. So they're, they're hoping for the best just as, as much as your protagonist is hoping for the best. Right. <laughs> so yeah. in a way, you are, you are taking them in a journey. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely a journey. Yeah. And step by step. Right. So so then when that character, you know, makes that choice, but then hits a wall. Right. Or that gap opens up. Uh, they they feel it intrinsically because they have they've been able to put their their themselves in that character's shoes, right? And so every time they hit that obstacle, they hit that wall, your audience feels it as though it's happening to them, right? And and another thing that's really important is um so I I've, I've been building this I'm working on a series of master classes right now. One of them the first one is actually philosophical conflict. Uh, these are sort of the, the keys to universal and story, universal and timeless storytelling. This is um, the masterclass series, uh, and the second one is the hierarchy of fear. So, it's important to take your audience, or sorry, your character, through their deepest fear, uh, have them overcome it, and like sort of triumph over it in order to give your audience that real feeling of satisfaction. So um, this is something that that I kind of well <laughs> I don't have time to break it all down here, but but again, if you so ascribing certain fears to your to your character, right? So for example, if it's a fear of height, okay, um, you you know different characters, you make sure you give them different fears, and then. You know, part of the the process of writing is is taking your character and putting them face to face with their ultimate fear, right? Making making them uh, in a, almost in a life or death situation, like which they call raising the stakes. So you have 
you put them in a situation where they have no choice but to face that fear and to have to act in the face of that fear, have to make a decision to make a choice and take some kind of an action, even though they're, they're, they've, they've been confronted by this fear of theirs, right? And it's when you take them through it and have them triumph over it, that also gives your, that's, that's another way of, of, of really stirring up the emotion of your audience and having them feel. And so, again, they'll feel that sense of triumph right? Because your character, they've seen that character go from, from, you know, deathly terrified of, of this particular thing. Um, and then having to confront it face, you know, head on and, and in the face of that, having, you know, being able to triumph gives your audience that sense of triumph as well, along with your character, which is, which is a hugely satisfying experience for your audience. Thank you so much for that. That was really very important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In fact, I was going to ask you to say something about uh, character development because that is uh, very important. Uh, whether you are looking at a pure story or story for marketing, uh, it's going to be very important because like you said, you are going to make this connection between the audience and the character because if the character, if the audience do not fall in love with the character, they don't care about the character, Therefore, yeah. they don't care about the story. Exactly. Because how are we going to know the story if not through the eyes of the character? And this character, they're in your hands. You are the one creating it. And like Alan says, you are the creator of the other world. People don't know that world. Only you know the world. So yes. uh, what, what, what do you want to say about the choice of character that we use in the kind of story that we tell? In this case, your story. What influences your choice of character in the story that you create? Well, I think I get, it boils down to the, what I mentioned before about the fact that we, you have to ask yourself, why are you telling this story? Uh, why is it important to you? And why, why does it need to be told now in this way? Like, so, so you know, the, and every person's why is different. Um, and out of that grows your, your, it's interesting because when you start to ask yourself these questions, now it can come in, in different forms. So, for example, I'll give you an example from, from my project, right? Um, when I, this particular animation project that I was telling you that I've been, I'm developing, I've been working on, uh, it actually started as a television series, an animated television series for adults. And it sort of, the idea came with a cast of characters, an ensemble cast of characters. And, and as time went on and I started to uh, look at this more, I realized that, that I think it works better as a, as a feature film. And so I had to identify one particular character that would be the, the main character. Because in a feature film, you really want one single protagonist driving the film, driving the story. Um, and I, so I had to go through this process of asking myself, okay, so wait a minute, if this is a, a single character story as opposed to an ensemble, cast of characters, right, in their story, then which one am I going to choose and why, right? And and why is it important to tell? Because every, even though, for example, um, they're in a shared location, right, but every person's experience of that is going to be different, right? So if you think about, for example, in a, in a even in a home, in a, in a single location within a family, for example, right? Brothers and sisters can 
often come out of the same environment with very different viewpoints um, as to what that that family home environment was like, right? And what that childhood was like and what that, you know, and they also grew up with very different personalities, right? Even though they're, they, the, the original place was was the same, like their, their, their home environment was the same. Um, so in any given experience, so even like, so for example, in an office, same thing, you have all these people coming in every day to work, for example, in, in this company with a common goal and a common purpose, and even a, a shared space, but everybody has a different experience and a different reality uh, in many cases that, uh, that they would not only in, how, in what they bring to the table, but in how they perceive this environment and how they perceive this, this experience, right? So it was really kind of isolating, okay, like, so whose perspective do I want to tell this story from? And, uh, and that's really, and that, again, like I said, it's tied to the why. It's tied to the theme of the story. It's tied to uh, the, so the message, like, what is it that you want to tell? What do you want to say in this story? And who is the best, which character is the best to be the driving force of this message? Um, and I think that if, if it's a point where it doesn't come naturally, where, where you don't, you don't automatically, you know, uh, instinctively from, from the get go, you don't see a single character, but you, you have to decide on who your, you know, who, who your character should be, then I, then take it through a process of questioning. Um, and I would say the, the, the most important things to tie it to the theme the philosophical conflict, you know, the things that are grounding your concept. And, and the best question to ask is, is whose perspective does the story need to be told through? And that's how I think you, you, you start to, to create a, a really perfect, a great framework for your protagonist, for your main character. Thank you so much for that. That's really interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. <laughs> All right. Now, um, when you take up a story, because as a story uh, creator, as a story writer, you are working different dimensions of story, because story, of course, they are of different formats, different style. You have written text, you have video, you have audio. You have seen a, a great part of all of it, because you work in an in, in advertising agency, where you have worked with video, television. Mm -hmm. And so you are really in a good position to be able to talk about any type of story. I look at story from 360 degrees, which is what I found very interesting. So mm -hmm. I say that because I'm going to ask you to help me um, explain what for you is a good story. When you take this story and say, this is a good story, what does that mean for mm -hmm. you? Okay, good. <laughs> Your questions are all very good, very probing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so again, I think it comes down to a meaningful story, one that is rich with a philosophical conflict, you know, and I think that uh, one of the things that, okay, let, let me put it this way, what a bad story is, right? <laughs> I think that a story that doesn't respect an audience's time uh, in terms of, you know, like if, if I'm going to give you two hours of my life and watch this film and I come away with nothing, not having learned anything, not having experienced anything, not having seen the world from a different perspective, 
not having understood a different culture, um, you know, anything. There's so many things that we can do with story, right? It can serve so many purposes. And but if I come away from from this experience not having gained anything, then I feel like you wasted my time, you know. And that to me is is just there's nothing worse than that, right? So it's it's you know I think that when we when we in order to respect your audience's time, right, and to value them, right, you have to give them something worthwhile, right? And so, um, and it can even be as basic as just entertainment value, right? Like, so for example, if some people just need to be entertained, um, which is a very valid uh, need also, it's not that, you know, not to undermine that, because that's a very common sort of Hollywood, uh, you know, what do you want to call it? Like a kind of their driving, uh, uh, driving force, something like that. The driving force, yeah, <laughs> entertainment, 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 and that that has some value in in itself. Like it's not that it's completely void of anything, right? Um, uh, again, going back to people who are you know extreme sports, you know, or any kind of you know they're they're looking for that's a high entertainment value activity, right? So. So that has its own place. But if you're asking me personally, I think the greatest stories are the ones that uh, that that I learn from and that open my eyes really to, uh, you know, another world. And um, they're like gateways into different people's experiences that I, I don't have the privilege of meeting face to face. You know what I mean? Like I've been, I've been so fortunate that I've, I've been able to travel a little bit and I've, I've met a lot of people and I just, there's nothing that I love more than interacting with different people and hearing their stories, you know, a lot like you, Abedi, I think you have this, this fascination <laughs> with people. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you're not fascinated by people and their stories and their journeys. And, and I'm a lot like that. And so, uh, so for me, a good film is a film that allows me to do that is to have this perspective like one of my my favorite films of all time is uh and and it's funny it still hasn't shifted it's um city of god uh the brazilian film i don't know if you've ever seen this uh i think it was 2003 that it came out and uh and it's about you know these these street kids in brazil and this whole kind of life this this underworld um and it's just a, it's a, it's a beautiful poignant, but there's so many, there's so many examples of these films that are big, these windows into um, different communities, different cultures, different, you know, ideas, uh, ways of living, you know, lifestyles, whatever, you name it, right? And, um, and I think that that's one of the greatest things that the story can give us is just access, really to understanding people's life at a much deeper level. Thank you so much for that. That's interesting. Because we're looking at it from your perspective, from your point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, you will, as you will see written under here, everyone has a story to share. And we really believe that is, we really believe that to be true, that your point of view is very important. You help us to see what we cannot see. Right, that is right. why it is very beautiful. Yeah. All right. Now, as you were learning uh, to climb in the ladder of storytelling, was there somebody you learned from? Are there people who inspired you in terms of storytelling? It, it could be book, it could be movie, 
It could be uh, just oral narration. Who are these kind of people? Who are they? And what did you like about them, if any? Hmm, wow. Um, uh, from a, I guess in different, in different disciplines, you could say that there are different uh, people that I admire. So if you look at, I, I mean, I just, this name is coming to the top of my mind, but Mitch Album, I, I think I've read every one of his books. Uh, he, he writes these incredibly moving stories. Uh, you might have heard of Tuesdays with Maury. And they're kind of like half, they're not all fiction. He, he's only written a few, it's kind of these, these memoirs, sort of these type, you know, um, but, but very emotional, you know, and very, very stirring, very poignant, like very deep, also deep reflections on life. Um, the Five People You Need in Heaven. Uh, I'm just trying to think of all, all of his books, but the, so I think he's had a big in, in, impact or influence on me. Um, in, in feature film, uh, I think that Christopher Nolan is someone that I admire because I, I think that his, you know, again, very deep cerebral, uh, kind of, you know, philosophical, um, uh, explores areas that a lot of other filmmakers don't sort of venture into, um, Sometimes a little bit overcomplicated, you know, it's getting to be a little bit too <laughs> complex, maybe unnecessarily, but, but certainly when he started, it was, it was, uh, he kind of opened this new gateway um, to storytelling that was, that was really, uh, it was make, connecting the dots between emotion and intellect, you know, and I think that that was really exciting. Um, and then uh, television series, uh, God, you know, Vince Gilligan, um, Breaking Bad, an incredible writer. Um, the writer of, I'm forgetting the creator of uh, Ozark, what his name is. Uh, the series, I don't know if you've seen that series on Netflix. Um, also, you know, but then there's writers like, I'm thinking uh, Margaret Atwood. You know, she had a profound impact on me, you know, growing up because we, we studied her in school you know, and uh, her work is also incredibly um, so much foresight, so much, um, you know, that that very, you know, George Orwell, it's the same style. It's that kind of commentary, political and, and social commentary, but done in a very, uh, in a very creative way. I think that I've always gravitated, gravitated towards that sort of uh, material. Um, who else? Um, well, you have read a lot, so of course, you are not going to be to be able to list all of them yeah, out there. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but you're <laughs> looking for the one that inspire you more. <laughs> <laughs> Pixar, I would have to say, also, Pixar is a huge, uh, I do have to do a shout out to them. They are, they are like hugely impacted my, my, um, I know that. They're seen as, you know, it's animation, it's seen as children, but they're, that's, trust me, that's not only for children. They are, <laughs> they have these incredibly impactful stories. They're master storytellers, and I think they've been a huge influence as well. Yeah. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you so much for that. All right. Now, how can people connect with you? Because you will know that you have a business um, where people can benefit from. Why don't you use these few seconds to promote yourself? Tell people how to reach you and perhaps 
uh, what they can get from you. Please go ahead and do that. Thank you. Um, at the moment, the best way to reach me would be through LinkedIn. Um, Sheena Ahmed is my, I mean, you could just search that, <laughs> my name. Um, and I am in the process of building my website and sort of getting those initial building blocks in place. Uh, but in, yeah, if there's any questions or anything that, that, you know, I can, any way I can be of service, the best way to, would be to link, um, like I said, LinkedIn, you can email me direct directly as well. It's Sheena, S H I N A dot Ahmed, A H M A D at gmail.com. Um, I am based in Vancouver, but, uh, you know, thanks to technology, I can, uh, I can work remotely as well with anyone, anywhere. Um, I have, as I mentioned, I have this workshop called the Writer's Room Experience. This is intended for individual writers to give them the opportunity to know themselves better. Basically, that is the whole objective is, is to be able to save yourself. Hopefully, if this can save even one person from the years of agony that I went through um, and the struggle uh, until I discovered this, uh, it would be, you know, it'd make that journey worthwhile for me. And, and, and really the hope is to save someone years of their life and potentially great expense, um, to understand whether they are solo writers or they are collaborative writers. And that's, that's really important for being able to choose the right track, uh, and, and, to get you on the right track and know and to be able to um, to save time, really, that's what it comes down to. Save years of your life and 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 also to put you in an environment that in which you're going to thrive from an earlier stage. So you you actually get to enjoy the process and not just be you know this idea. It shouldn't have to be what I think it was Hemingway that said, "Oh, writing is easy. You just sit at the typewriter and bleed." You know, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have to be that way. I so yeah, um, so poor Hemingway. I think he needed a collaborative environment, and it would have been a lot easier for him. Um, so that's the that's the individual um, process. But I also have a very specific skill set, which is that I've worked with television stations and production companies in Dubai, um, and helping them really transition from service providers to original content creators. So when Netflix first came into uh, the Middle East, this was uh, around 2016, uh, they, there was this big, suddenly this, this, you know, desire and this awareness that, okay, we need to um, start transitioning from just producing, like I said, TV commercials and corporate videos and all that, you know, um, or servicing productions that were coming to the region uh, and transitioning into original content creators ourselves. Um, and so I created this kind of like a two-week, three-week, let's say, boot camp, uh, where it is a story development boot camp, and it was it was really priming and prepping, preparing the writers for um, a lead writer to come in and then take over. Because uh, only because I don't speak Arabic, uh, unfortunately, but it was preparing these writers for a lead writer, an Arabic writer, to come in. And be able to lead these teams, and 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 so I would lay all the groundwork, uh, sort of go through story boot camp because it's quite different. A lot of these, you know, in the television station, uh, there was an existing writing team, but most of them were writing for 
sort of daily magazine style shows, uh, writing, you know, presenter uh, pitches and, and like, or the, the little blurbs that the presenters uh, say. Um, and a lot of just kind of on the fly, day to day, you know, the, the things that were going on air. And it was, so it was a, a real transition. It was a real sort of a steep learning curve for them to be able to, to understand fictional writing or story, you know, narrated scripted writing um, and preparing them for that. And they loved the process and they were, they were all like excited to be able to use, you know, because they all originally had that, that, that passion for, for writing fiction. And so this was, this was a great way to sort of rekindle that. But anyway, so that boot camp idea is, um, was, you know, is very successful and I've been able to, to people take that. So so these are the two things. So one is for individuals, the writer's room experience, and the other one is for um, for companies, for production companies and television stations to sort of to make that transition. And that's for teams, for writing teams. Thank you so much for that. So as you can see, Sheena has a lot of experience you can benefit from. So why not reach out to her and you are on a, on a good hands, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so you're welcome. So what would be your concluding um, uh, thought regarding the conversation that we have had today, looking at storytelling and a bit of marketing we also talked about, but mainly we have remained in storytelling. So what would you say is your final thought? It can be a message, it can be because you want to advise somebody, whatever it is, it's your time. Mm, wow. Okay. Um, first of all, it just, nothing brings me greater joy than meeting other people who are interested in story and writing and storytelling, even if it's from a marketing point of view. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would just say that, you know, if this is an interest, if this is a passion, um, that don't be discouraged. Don't let it, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long, hard road. I'll be honest, you know, uh, but it is so rewarding and it's so satisfying. And when you start to see, the fruits of the labor and you start to see the um, the response to your work because really it is a it is a it is a very personal um, expression of oneself right and um, when you start to see the world respond to it in a positive way it is it's like it comes full circle you know um, and you will begin to understand that that everything you've learned and, 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 and not only that, but the journey itself is so, it's so enthralling because like I was telling you, you know, this whole idea of, of the mirroring between life and story. And as we understand life better, you understand story better. And as you understand story better, you understand life better. Right. So it's this beautiful interaction, I think. And that for, uh, you know, my greatest, I would say piece of advice for anyone interested in, in storytelling is like live life literally. And as you, you know, the more you live life and the more you experience, um, you know, that's the stuff that story is made from, you know, and, and it's drawing from those life experience experiences, excuse me, and it's drawing from, um, from that knowledge and that experience and bringing it into story is what makes story that much more impactful so you know I've had a, a little bit of an unconventional career path to be honest you know once I left the corporate ladder and I left you know marketing it's really been 
this, this, this sort of journey that I've taken in, in with a lot of detours, <laughs> you know, uh, but, and for a long time, it was, it was quite unsettling to me that, you know, there was, because I was in a place where with no established industry and they're like, I couldn't just get into a company and climb a ladder. And there was no way for me to learn the story, you know, in a structured way. And I had to learn it on my own, you know, all through, through all like my own initiative. But now I look back and I think, my gosh, I'm so glad I did because, you know, I, I probably have gone further than, than people who, who have just gone through a structured program. Uh, I've had to, you know, I've had to push myself further. Um, but at the same time, it's been an, it's been this integration of life experiences along the way and, and the, kind of the juice of that, you know, if you squeeze out the juice of that. And that that's what just makes it so much more uh, meaningful and and worthwhile, really. Right. So it's tying those two things together. And so and it doesn't matter what age either. And I think that almost I would have to say that. um, Being a little bit older can actually add something far more valuable to your writing. So so never be afraid of, of. you're, you're like, you know, it'd be too late to start writing or, or to be, you know, interested in storytelling. Um, you, your life experience is going to compensate for, you know, that's going to bring depth to your characters. That's going to bring realism to the world that you're creating. There's so much, so much value that it adds. So just, um, you know, whatever it is, go for it. I just, I, I'm a big believer in story. I just love it so much. And I think that, that it's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's something that transforms you in the process. You know, it's one of those pursuits that I think it's, it's, it forces us as storytellers. It forces us to rise up to, to meet the challenges of telling a great story. Right. And, and, uh, so it's it's a very it's, I almost think that it's an evolutionary tool. It's like what it's what propels us or what drives us to be to be better human beings in pursuit of understanding story. I think that that also that has opened up so much in terms of um, the pursuit of knowledge in so many aspects of life. Uh, and all of that, you know, it's it like I would start because I'm trying to understand, for example, my character better. Right. And then, you know, but it'll take me down this path of reading, you know, books on psychology and books on, you know, uh, philosophy. And so it's amazing how much it adds to you and your knowledge and your wisdom, even though you start with something small, a small intention, and it it will end up leading you down this path where it adds so much, you know. So, yeah, it's just um, it's a beautiful journey. Thank you so much, Shina. It really has been really valuable here. The conversation is oh, so valuable. Thank, thank you. you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's been so much fun. I love having <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. All right. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate our review overhead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain overhead a Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.